Welcome. How's everybody doing? Ready for a great day at church? Look to your neighbor and say, you ain't ready. <laughs> hey, I want to be the first uh, to welcome all of our locations, Littleton, Lakewood, Arvada, Evergreen, and then also all of our amazing men and women at God Behind Bars. Let's give it up for them. I also want to welcome all those joining us online. Well, we, welcome to week one of our series, Drive-In. My name is Andrew Matrone. I oversee all the youth ministry here at Red Rocks Church, and I absolutely love my job. I love what I get to do. I love this church. Chad Brugman was my youth pastor when I was 16 years old, so I'm sorry. I'm a product of him. Uh, but absolutely love this church and uh, so grateful to Sean Johnson. To, he gives away the stage so much. Just so you know, uh, churches this size, lead pastors do not give away their stage as often as he does. And it just shows how authentic and humble that he is. And we literally have the best lead pastor in the country. Can we get it for Sean Johnson? Love him. Great friend. Love him so much. But uh, man, today I come to you guys with great expectation for what the Lord is going to do in this room and at every location and online. If you're on the treadmill right now, I'm believing that the Lord is going to do something special. I have prayed specifically for you, and I don't know your story. I don't know your background. I don't know where you come from. I don't know if you feel super close to God or you couldn't feel further from God or anywhere in between. Today, I believe the Lord wants to speak to you. I believe that he wants to challenge you. I believe that he wants to encourage you. Some of you came in here today needing life breathed back into you. I believe that the Lord wants to breathe life back into you. If we would only open up our hearts, the Lord who knows just what you need will provide your every need. But before that happens, will you guys pray with me? Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Lord, thank you for being in this place. God, it's evident, Jesus, that you're here. God, I pray that every single person in their seat, Lord, would understand, Lord, you brought them here on purpose, for a purpose, and you want to speak to them. God, if you're not here, we don't want to be here. So, God, I pray, Lord, that your presence would fill this place. God, we give this to you today. And everybody says at all locations, amen. Question for you guys today. Have you ever trusted someone and then immediately regretted it? Trusted someone and then you immediately regretted it. You see... Growing up, I, I was the youngest of three. Okay, I had an older brother, an older sister. And how many of y'all know that if you are the youngest, you are vulnerable to your older brother and your older sister? Any youngest in here in the house? Okay, so you understand, right? You put a lot of trust and a lot of equity into what your older siblings say or tell you to do. And, and my older brother and sister got me to do all sorts of things. I can't tell you how many times in pictures, I will not be showing you those, of when my sister would dress me up in my mom's clothes, put makeup on me, make me wear heels. Like the most humiliating thing ever. It was horrible, right? My brother would make me jump out of windows and, and go on bike ramps without a helmet. Like, and I trusted them. I put my trust in them. But this one particular time, we were, in the, uh, we were going to a wedding, my family, in the beautiful state of Ohio. And we, we were going to the, this wedding, and we were in, in the reception. And you know the part during the reception where uh, the music hits and people get up and they start dancing, they start having fun. Well, this, this point happened within uh, the reception, and me and my brother, I'm 10 years old, he's 12. We're sitting there, we're watching people dance, and 
All of a sudden, this circle begins to form on the dance floor. And so we go over to investigate. And I saw something I had never seen before. I saw something what you call a dance circle. Okay, so this dance circle formed. And what a dance circle is, if you've never seen one before, if you were just born yesterday, a dance circle is, is where people are in a circle. And, and one by one, people go out and they show off their moves and they leave. And the next person goes in, they, then they leave. And it, it's really a fun, fun thing. But... Me and my brother were watching this, and, and we go, we investigate, and, and my brother turns to me as we're watching, and he says, Andrew, you should get in there. You should get in there. And, and before I finish my story, how many of y'all know that a dance circle is reserved for a very specific type of person, okay? Like, the dance circle is reserved for the bravest of the brave. No ordinary human being just goes into the dance circle. It is calculated, okay? I have seen, seen people ruin their complete reputation by going in the dance circle when they did not belong within the dance circle. I was thinking about who belongs in the dance circle, Chad Brugman. Like, Chad Brugman was, was meant for the dance circle, that kind of person that could just go in and just lose, lose their mind and lose control, right? It was meant for him, not for 10-year-old Andrew Matrone, okay? And so we're sitting there, and my brother can see that I, I'm pondering, and I'm kind of hesitant, and he says these two words to me that I'll never forget, and I'll always hold against him. He says, Andrew, trust me. Trust me. It'll be awesome, right? And I'm 10 years old. My brother, he's out for my, my best interest, right? Like, absolutely, I'm going to trust him. So I started thinking, okay, what am I going to do? Well, I got to do my patented move, the worm. Okay, don't judge me. I was, I'm a product of the 90s, MTV culture, okay? So I decided I'm going to do the worm. And, and, and so I, I go in there. I, I wait for the perfect moment. You know, it has to be the perfect moment when you go to the dance circle. Like, if you go in and somebody else is coming in, you might have to have a dance off. And so you got to be really, really careful. You have to go in at the most opportune moment. And so I go into the dance circle, and people are cheering for the 10-year-old doing this cute thing, and I'm dancing, I'm having fun, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. And so I'm, like, I'm going to jump up as high as I can, I'm going to go into this worm, I'm just going to start going for it, right? Well, I, I miscalculated my jump, and, and what happened is I jumped up, and I came like this, and then I go like this, and I crushed my face on the dance floor so bad where, where my legs came behind me like a scorpion and just like folded over. It was like a movie where everybody's cheering, there's like, the music stops, be like, oh, I felt I was like humiliated, and I'll never forget it. I, I, I'm on the ground, just a broken 10-year-old, and, and, and I'm laying there, and I look up, and the first face I see, no lie, is my father's face. I see his face, and then I see him. He turned, it was like in that moment, he disowned me. I swear, it, by his eyes, he said, find another family and go home with them. I trusted my brother, and I was humiliated. <laughs> Trust... It's an important thing, wouldn't you say? It's one of those things that takes years to gain and just seconds to lose. Trust is the most fundamental thing in any relationship. Where there is no trust, a relationship cannot flourish. Intimate relationship, working relationship, friendship, parent relationship, trust must be present or it will never work. Stephen Covey, author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, says this about trust. Trust is the glue of life. It's the most essential ingredient in effective communication. It's the foundational principle that holds all together. It's the glue. In other words, in order for a healthy relationship to not only develop but maintain, 
Trust must be the bedrock. Without it, everything falls apart. See, I, I believe that one of the greatest things in life and in relationships that you can feel is whenever you're in a relationship and there's a genuine and authentic trust for them, and they have a genuine and authentic trust for you. But what happens whenever there is no trust within relationships, any kind of personal relationship? What, what happens when there's no trust? Well, we begin to tread lightly with that person, right? If we don't have trust for them, we tread lightly with them. If we don't trust them, we're, we're looking for more reasons why we shouldn't trust them. It begins to ruin our communication. And the further you go without trusting someone, the further that relationship will begin to separate. It seems like we live in a world today where trust is hard to come by. Or is it? See, I would argue that trust in our world today is at an all-time high. And you're like, absolutely not. <laughs> Let me explain. Every single day, one million people will get a ride from a complete stranger to a specific destination using this app called Uber. <laughs> no idea who this person is, and they just show up, you get in their car, and you trust they're going to bring you to where they say they're going to bring you. Every single month, 100 million people will post a picture onto Instagram and share their location, share who they're with, when they're there, and where, where they're at. And if you hashtag certain things, millions of people can see this information about you. This year, 80 million nights will be booked in a complete stranger home on this website called Airbnb. People will fly to another continent Stay in a stranger's home that they don't even speak the same language as and trust that this person isn't like hiding in their closet, right? It's, it's this crazy trust. Some of you are like, I'm never doing Airbnb. Don't. don't. <laughs> we exchange money with banks. We give our names out to sites, right? We, we give our credit card to information to these random websites in China to get buy fake tennis shoes, right? Like, like never before our world has this strange trust with companies and organizations and people within them that we have very, very little knowledge about. And so I was asking myself this week, like, why? Why is it that we can give so much trust to these organizations and companies with our personal information and even safety but when it comes to putting trust in our spouse or in our employer or our friends, sometimes trust can be hard to come by. Why is that? You see, why I think that it is is that when it comes to just transactions, when we're just having a transaction with someone, our heart is not involved. But when it comes to our interpersonal relationships, where there's more at stake and putting trust in more at stake than just our financial and physical well-being, our hearts are extremely affected. That's why someone can have their identity stolen and continue on spending their credit cards like they normally would, but they can't trust a man because of things that their father did. Or you see that correlation there. You see, somewhere along the line, Something happened to every single one of us that tainted our trust within relationships. Somewhere along the line, someone cheated, someone lied, someone gossiped, someone stole, someone left. And because of this, we think, well, if I withhold trust then, then I can protect my heart. And so what we do is we keep our relationships at a safe distance. Now, I say all this to get to this one point. That that's fine and all when it comes to people, but when our trust issues with people have carried over into our relationship with God, that becomes a problem. See, for some reason, we couple our relationships with people and our relationship with God into the same category. 
right? If people can't be trusted, then obviously if people are made in God's image, then God can't be trusted. If people can hurt you and break you down and leave you, then God can hurt you, break you down, and leave you. See, for many of us, there's a lack of trust when it comes to our relationship with God. Because somewhere along the line, you felt like God said something to you, that God promised you something, and you felt like he left. You felt like God wasn't near when you needed him to be. You felt like maybe God lied or he unprotected you. Right? And so we have these moments where we feel like God wasn't what he was supposed to be. And so just like our personal relationships, we begin to treat our relationship with God the same way. We, we tread lightly within that relationship. We begin to look for more areas in our life where we don't trust God. It begins to ruin our communication. And the longer we go without trusting God, the further our relationship with him begins to be. Not on his end, but on your end. See, I know that there are people at Red Rocks Church, because we are talking about that staff this week, that are in a tough place. You're in a tough place right now, and you've been there for a while. It's that place in your marriage where you're about to give up. It's that place with your kids where you just don't have any more energy. It's that place where you're struggling financially. It's that place where you're just not where you thought you'd be at this time within your career, within your job, within your relationships. You've been single a lot longer than you thought you'd be. It's that place of the bad diagnosis. It's the place where depression and anxiety are ruining your life. And and you find yourself in these places, and maybe you've been in this place for a long time, and and people are aware of your situation. And so people ask you, well, how how are you doing? How are you feeling? And you give them like the Christianese answer of, I'm good. Just got to keep on trusting him. Trust the Lord with all your heart, right? I, I, I trust him. You say that, but every feeling that you have screams the opposite. You say, I trust God in my situation, but everything you're feeling in this moment has nothing to do with God. You say you trust him, but your life is riddled with fear, with doubt, with worry and anxiety. For whatever reason, you're in the middle of your situation, and there's a lack of trust in your father. The question that I want to pose to you today is this. And I pose this question because I've been posing it to myself a lot lately. Is what's keeping you from trusting God in your situation? What is it? We all have our reasons. Right now, in this place where you find yourself, what's keeping you from trusting God? I want to tell you a story that I think could resonate with us. It's a story in the Bible about Jesus' disciples and their trust issues. And we, we find their story in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, if you want to go there. A little bit of background to this story. Jesus at this time in his ministry is gaining much traction. He's famous in many groups, infamous in some others. But he's gaining much traction. And everywhere he goes, people come from cities and regions to come see him. And so this one particular day, Jesus is preaching on the shore on the Sea of Galilee. And it says that such large crowds gather around him that he goes, he has to speak from on top of this boat. And so Jesus, he, he shares these parables, he speaks to people, he does his thing, and then he decides that it's time for him and his disciples to cross the Sea of Galilee to go to their next destination. So this is where we pick up in verse 35. That day when evening came, 
He said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. I want you to underline that or highlight that or write that down in your notes. Let us go over to the other side. We'll come back to that in a moment. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Go ahead and highlight, underline that. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? The disciples are traveling by boat with Jesus on the Sea of Galilee, and this massive storm hits. Now, it's important to understand the Sea of Galilee is at 700 feet below sea level, and 20 miles north is this mountain called Mount Hermon that sits 9,200 feet above sea level. And so what happens is the warm air from the sea combines with the cold air of the mountain, and it would create these very sudden but also very violent, violent storms. And professional fishermen from Galilee, like many of the, the disciples were, they were used to storms. Like they, they were used to storms on the Sea of Galilee. They, they grew up around it. They, they fished on it. They swam in it. Like they, they understood how to get through these storms that they experienced on the Sea of Galilee. Like they, they, they understood how to do that. But perhaps this specific storm that they find themselves in was different than any one that they had ever experienced before. A little bit more fierce, perhaps. So the storm hits, and the disciples are afraid. Now, I want us to put ourselves in their shoes for a moment. I think sometimes we, we look at the disciples, and we read about them, and you hear about them, and you just think they're the, these massive spiritual giants. Well, in this moment, they weren't. They, they, they were very imperfect, broken people trying to just figure out this relationship with Christ, just like me and you. And so they're in this boat, and they're with Jesus, and then all of a sudden, this great storm hits. And, and remember, it, it's 2,000 years ago. There's no lights. There, there's no motor. They're out in the middle of the sea, and this massive storm hits. Waves are crashing over. It says that the boat is filling up. Literally, they're sinking, and death is upon them. I picture them freaking out, taking bales of water and trying to throw it out. Right, trying to fix their sails, everybody grabbing an oar and, and, and rowing in the same direction, trying to get to a certain rhythm, doing anything they can to get themselves through this storm and through this situation. And in the midst of all this, they look over, and who do they see counting sheep and snoring away like the grandpa who sleeps through everything? Jesus. Jesus is just conked out, sleeping out, all the commotion, nothing is waking him up. And I picture them being like, oh, heck no. I don't care who you think you are. I don't care if you turn water into wine. I don't care if you make the lame man walk, the blind man see. You're going to wake up, and you're going to help us right now because we're about to die. And they go to him, and they say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Write that in your notes if you're taking notes today. Don't you care? Those three words, don't you care? Sound familiar to you at all? Ever thought that? Ever felt that in your life? We're going through something. Life is just throwing you a curveball. You feel like everything is going wrong, like you're sinking. And in the midst of it, you feel like God is completely asleep. He's absent. That he's unaware. Or maybe he is aware, but he's indifferent. Or he's uninterested in what you're going through in that moment. And you have these moments... 
And you're literally saying to Jesus, Jesus, get up. Do you not see what I'm experiencing? Have you not seen this season of obscurity that I've been living in for far too long? Do you not see my broken relationships? Do you not see my loneliness? Do you not see my bad diagnosis? Do you not see the things that I'm going through in life? Jesus, I thought you said you love me. I thought you said you'd never leave me, but I feel nothing but completely alone. This is what they were feeling in this moment. There was a storm. Jesus was asleep. They're about to sink, and they came apart. They came apart. If you ask me, it sounds like there's a little bit of mistrust in the voice and the actions of the disciples. And hear me, this is important. Their lack of trust made them vulnerable to their flesh. Their lack of trust made them vulnerable to their flesh, made them vulnerable to their actions, made them vulnerable to their words. Lack of trust made them vulnerable to fear, to doubt, to anxiety. There's some of you in here today where the length of your struggle and the timetable of your circumstances made you vulnerable to your flesh. You've been made vulnerable to your flesh. You see, instead of continuing to trust, you have decided to do it your way to take it into your own hands now. You see, because a lot of us, we, we, we get to this place where we feel like God has spoken things over us. We feel like when we open up his word, we feel like he has made promises to us or people have spoken things over us in, in our life. Right? We feel like God has anointed us for so much more than bigger, better things than what we're experiencing. That he's anointed us for a better marriage, better workplace, better opportunities, better health, better relationships, better life just in general. And, and so we get into these places where we feel like God has promised us so much more, that he's anointed us for so much more. And because he has, and we get to these places, and out of lack of, of trust and out of frustration, we say, okay, it's time for me to take it in my own hands. So I'm going to move on from what God has me in this time and this waiting period. I'm going to move on to something else. I'm going to move on from my wife. I'm going to move on from my circumstance. I'm going to move on from my job. Move on from my kids. Move on from my integrity within my, within my finances. I'm going to move on from trying to live a life filled with purity. If the Lord was going to move in my life, he would have already done it by now. And since he hasn't, it's up to me. So we begin to overcompensate. We begin to try to create our own solutions and try to create our own answers. Red Rocks Church, hear me. I haven't lived much life, but I've lived enough to know that God's not asking you to manufacture your own victory. God's not asking you to create your own victory. God's not asking you to manipulate your own victory. He's asking you to trust. Trust his timing, his will, his ways, his wisdom, his plan. We trust that in his timing, he will fulfill that he will prepare, that he will provide, that he will promote, that he'll do whatever he said he's going to do, and that he'll be whoever he said he's going to be. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Some of you have chosen to trust in yourself or trust in somebody else or trust in that thing or trust in that substance and you're at a place in your life where your life couldn't be further than a straight path. Your life is all over the place because you've chosen to do it your way. 
And God is saying, trust in me, trust in my timing, trust in my plan, and trust at just the right moment, I'm going to promote you, I'm going to move you forward into the place that you're called to be. You're in this waiting period, but I have a place for you. You need to trust me and acknowledge me in all your ways, and I, no one else, no other thing will make your path straight. The story continues, I'm sure many of you know this, but the story continues where Jesus wakes up, he stands up, and he rebukes the wind and the waves, and it says immediately the wind and the waves die down, and it goes completely calm, translated as dead calm, okay, so no movement, no wind, no nothing, completely calm. You would think that in this moment, Jesus, after he gets done rebuking the wind of the waves, that he would turn to his disciples and say, fellas, I'm so sorry. I was exhausted. I took some ambient last night. I was so tired. I, 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 I thought I heard something going on, but I just thought I was dreaming. I, I, I'm so sorry. Next time, I promise I'll get there quicker. No, he, Jesus, he rebukes the wind and the waves, and he turns around, and he rebukes his disciples. Verse 40, he says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you still not trust me? Still not trust me? See, these disciples, they had walked with Jesus. They'd done life with him. And individually, Jesus had called each and every one of those disciples separately, and they chose to follow Jesus as he was. When they brought him into the boat, it says they brought him in there as he was. They knew what they were signing up for. You see, there's many of us where the Lord has called us, and maybe he hasn't called you yet, but tonight he's going to call you. But the Lord has called you, and you're in this place right now, where you're frustrated with him, but you knew what you were signing up for. You chose to follow him. You chose to give your life to him. You chose to say, I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to surrender my life to you. But we find ourselves in this place where we say, well, I wish God was this way. I wish he did it this way. I wish he, was, he, he did things a, the certain way that I like. We want to manufacture our God, but we chose the Jesus that we signed up for. We chose it. And the disciples, they walked with Jesus. They saw the anointing and the power that he walked in. But in the middle of their circumstance, all they could focus on was their storm rather than Lord of the storm, right? I want you to remember what Jesus said to his disciples in that first line that I had you guys underline. He says this. He says, let us go over to the other side. Let us go over to the other side. Just in these few simple words, Jesus promises them that they will make it to the other side. Jesus didn't say to them, hey, let us go into the middle of the sea, drown and die. He said, let us go to the other side. See, they lost sight of who Jesus was and what he was capable of. I wonder today, how many of you have lost sight of who Jesus is? I wonder how many of you have lost sight of what Jesus is capable of. I wonder how many of you have lost sight of the promises of God. Red Rocks Church, God, he promises you so much through his word. You can go read it for yourself. He promises that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
that in all things the Lord works for the good of those who love him, that Jesus came to give you life and life abundant, to give you a hope and a future, that God has promised you this life. He's promised you hope, future. And more important than that, we forget sometimes who God is. We forget the character of God, that God's a good God. He's faithful. He's just. He's generous. He's loving. He's forgiving. He's graceful. But sometimes in the midst of our trial, our circumstance, our season, we lose sight of our Father and who he is and what he offers you. Have you lost sight in this moment of your life? Be honest with yourself. Have you lost sight of who Jesus is and what he has for you? Three quick points that I want to end with. If you're taking notes, I'll share these with you. The first thing that I want to point out to your situation that the disciples experienced, I want to point out to you as well. Number one is this, is that the Lord doesn't promise a smooth ride. The Lord doesn't promise a smooth ride. John 16, says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. God promises a lot of things that are in our benefit. This one, not so much. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus didn't tell the disciples that they wouldn't experience a storm. He just told them they'd make it to the other side. Right? And sometimes we get to these places where, man, we're in the middle of this, and we're so frustrated and angry and mad. We're like, God, why on earth would you allow me to go through this? Why on earth are you allowing me to experience this and feel these feelings? He said you would. He said you were going to have struggles. You are going to experience death. You are going to experience hardship and pain. He said you would. But the great thing about our God is that he gives us an out. He says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 2,000 years ago, when I died on the cross, I overcame death. I overcame your hurt. I overcame your pain, your loneliness, your circumstance. See, you get to trust God because in the middle of your circumstance, you get to trust and take heart, hold on to because he has already overcome. What kind of victory do we get to wake up every day knowing that the Lord has overcome? The Lord doesn't promise a smooth ride. Number two, the Lord is faithful to those who trust. The Lord is faithful to those who trust, loyal, constant, steadfast. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. Blessed in the Bible means happy, peaceful, joyful. We just did a five-week series on no joy, no matter what. See, there's a direct correlation to the amount of peace and happiness that you feel with the amount of trust that you put in the Lord. Doing things your way does not make you happy. Trusting in the Lord creates this peace that surpasses all understanding that guards our heart and our mind and God Jesus. You see, we can wake up every single morning. We can wake up and say, you know what? In the middle of my circumstance, I got this because God's got this. In the middle of our darkest hour, God's not promising you that just because you trust him that he'll eliminate your circumstance, but he's promising you to give you a joy and a peace and a happiness that no other person can give you. Number three is this. Whatever God has brought you to, he's promised to bring you through. 
Whatever God has brought you to, he's promised to bring you through five times in the word. It says that the Lord will never leave nor forsake you. Forsake, abandon, turn his back. The Lord will never leave nor forsake you. See, the disciples lost sight of something very, very important, that Jesus never left the boat. He was still in the boat. That the one with all the answers, with all the power, with all the solutions was still in the boat. Some of you need to realize in this place today that Jesus has not left your boat. And if Jesus has not left your boat, then he is still working on your behalf. The Lord right now is doing 10,000 things on your behalf in your favor. You may just know about one of them. You see, God is not surprised by your situation. And if he's not surprised by your situation, then he has the answer. He has the solution. You see, sometimes you have to go through the places you don't want to be so God can bring you to the places that he needs you to be. If God has brought you to it, he promises to bring you through it. Ben, you can come on up. I decided this weekend to to talk about this issue of trust because honestly I have an issue with trust I heard a famous pastor say speak on your weaknesses and you'll never run out of material well here we go this issue of trust has been a really big deal for me and I've had a, a large amount of lack of trust when it comes to my relationship with God in this past season of my life See, some of you know our story, some of you don't, me and my wife, and, and I'm not going to share too many details, but we had a beautiful baby boy named Abram. He was born in February. In the second day that he was in the hospital, we found him, and he had stopped breathing, and they had to rush him into the NICU. And we spent a lot of time there at the hospital, and then we get home, and as if taking a baby home isn't already stressful enough, we take a baby home with a monitor that has to, to watch him and make sure that his oxygen stays okay. He had to go home on an oxygen tank, and it was just the most overwhelming experience and feeling in my life for both me and my wife. And then about six weeks later, our son has to be airlifted to a hospital, and he was diagnosed with a heart condition. Just kind of when we felt like we were getting out of the woods a little bit, just thing after thing, we went back and forth to the ER many times. And can I tell you how much my life was riddled with fear and doubt and anxiety? For probably three weeks in a row, I would literally stand there while he slept and just watch him because I was so fearful. And I had these moments where my trust in the Lord was at an all-time low. I had so many moments, both me and my wife had so many moments where we just would cry out to the Lord because things were just not progressing, things were not getting better, and we would just cry out to the Lord, Lord, please, like, show us something. We're hurting, Lord. We feel so alone. We feel like you just don't see us, like you don't care. Don't you love him? Don't you love us? And the more that, that, that I, I, I was losing my trust in the Lord, it began to carry over into other areas of my life. In this past season of my life, I have had moments where I felt like the worst father, the worst husband, 
the worst leader, the worst believer. And I don't tell you guys to throw a pity party for myself. I tell you this at a moment of vulnerability that yes, I'm a pastor. Yes, my wife is a pastor. But we have had so many trust issues where we've been hurting and lost. And we've questioned the Lord in our season. And this week I was preparing this message and I didn't want to talk about this because I just didn't want to, but the Lord just kept on impressing it on my heart. I said, okay, whatever you want. And he, he brought me back to, to some of my, my journal entries during all this time. And I, I just wanted to share a few with you, if that's okay, just at a moment of vulnerability. But the Lord pointed me back to these, and the first journal entry was about two weeks after all that happened with him when he was first born. And, and I said, Lord, I'm so overwhelmed with everything. I feel like I'm falling apart. I feel like I'm failing in every aspect of my life right now. Husband, father, leader, believer, I'm frustrated, confused, and tired. I don't know what to do. I feel lost, but I trust that you hear me. I trust that you love me. Another one a couple weeks later said, Lord, I'm so frustrated. I just don't know what to do. It's all so overwhelming, and me or Jerica just don't have much left in the tank. Help us to see what we're not seeing. Help us to understand what it is that needs to happen. What do we need to do? Just tell me, Lord, I'll do anything, but I trust you. And then this journal entry was right after he had, had been airlifted in the hospital and we're in the cardiac care unit, and I say once again, Lord, I sit before you feeling like a failure. I'm so weak right now and in desperate need of a savior. I don't know how to win. I'm over it, and I pray for deliverance from our situation. I'm over the broken feelings. Please, Lord, do something in my heart. Lord, I know you love me, but I desperately need you to show me today. And I shared this with my wife this week, and she left the room for a moment. She came back. She gave me her journal and she showed me this portion of, of her journal and she said this to God she said I feel like I'm so unsure of if you're with me I feel lost and untrusting I have so many unanswered questions right now do you see me are you trying to break me down do you care that I'm hurting are you a good father to me I feel like you've looked away from me either way Lord I pray that you know my heart Jesus I love you can I tell you how much we love the Lord with all of our heart? I love Jesus. He's been so good to me. But that doesn't mean that in the middle of our circumstance that we still had a hard time trusting him. I would love this to tell you that after going through all this that we're just these heroes of faith, but no. We're, 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 still, we're still struggling. We're still, we're still trying to, to trust in the Lord. We're, we're still trying to have faith, and, and our faith has not been perfected. And, and we're, we're still trying, and our son, he's doing so great today, but there's still moments, and it's tough sometimes. Life is tough. Where do you find yourself today? Where is it that you need to trust in the Lord today? That's one thing that we committed to is every morning, we're gonna say, okay, Lord, I trust you. By the end of the night, I might not, but you better believe every morning I'm gonna trust you again.
Where is it that you need to trust the Lord? Where do you find yourself today? Are you in a place today where you feel like the Lord doesn't see you? He doesn't care for you. He doesn't love you. Hear me today that people cannot be trusted. God can always be trusted. God has never lied. God has never stole from you. God is unfailing. His love is unconditioned. His love is based on no condition for you. I wrote this in my notes. Trusting him isn't believing he's going to deliver you from your circumstance. Trusting him is believing that he knows what he's doing in and through your circumstance. The Father loves you. He's a good God that is worthy of your trust, is deserving of your trust. Today in this moment where you stand, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for every single person in here, Lord. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for who you are, Lord. That in the midst of our trial and our circumstance, Lord, that you're still good, you're still faithful. You never leave us. You never forsake us, Lord. I pray that you begin to speak that over people right now, Lord, as they're sitting in their seats, Lord, at all locations, God, that you just begin to say, son, daughter, I'm here. Son, daughter, I haven't left you. I still have a plan for you. With heads bowed and eyes closed at all locations, you're sitting here today in this moment, and you're saying, you know what? The second that you brought up a trust issue with the Lord, it resonated with my heart. And I'm going through a tough time, but I I have to choose. I've been trying to do it on my own, but today I have to choose to give it to the Lord. I have to choose in this moment right now to trust the Lord. If that's you in here, would you slip up your hands so I can pray for you? Wow. That's a whole lot of us. You can put your hands down. Second question is this is, I'm talking about all this trusting the Lord, but the reality is that you've never put your trust in the Lord with your life. You've maybe been coming to church for a long time, but you've never accepted his grace. You've never chosen to surrender your life. You say, you know what? I'm not really sure what this relationship with God means, but I know that I want it. I know that he's calling me home. You're in here for the first time. You say, I want to put my trust in the Lord. I want to surrender my life and start this relationship with him. If that's you in here, would you slip up your hands so we can pray for you? Praise God. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we thank you for your provision. God, we give this time to you. Amen. So real quick before we go to worship, two things. In, in, in your chair, you should have a card. And on it, it says, today I choose to trust the Lord with dot, dot, dot. What is it that today, in this moment, you choose to trust the Lord with? And then you put that in a place where every day you renew that trust. Okay, Lord, I'm not here again, but I choose today to trust you. Write that down. Take that home. Put it somewhere. The second thing is this, is that we have communion cups right there. Communion is all about remembrance. Do this in remembrance of me, what the Lord did for you. Sometimes the greatest greatest way to get ourselves back to a healthy place is to remember the Lord's faithfulness. And so during this time, 
The band is going to play. I'm going to have you stay seated. I just want you to reflect, write down, take communion, do whatever you need to do, and the band will direct you from there.